Hey everybody, welcome to the His Top Ones podcast. I'm so glad you had an opportunity to stop by and take a listen. Um, If you have not already done so, you are more than welcome to listen to the first episode, Romans chapter 5. You can actually listen to that before listening to this. If not, you can just decide to proceed on. Um, Today, again, we're listening to Romans chapter 6 in the voice translation. Uh, Periodically, I might read from the Amplified, but majority of this is from the voice translation. The voice translation Bible can be found on BibleGateway.com, or you can uh, actually order a physical copy from Amazon or a Kindle copy from Amazon. So with that said, before we get started, I want to just jump right in first to and take a listen at the last two verses of Romans chapter 5 verses 20 and 21. Remember that we were not, um, this was not originally written with chapters. And so it's just one long continuous letter that the apostle Paul is writing. So let's just listen to the verses 20 and 21 of chapter 5. So then, The law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet, wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. And just as sin reigned through death, so also this sin-conquering grace will reign as king through righteousness, imparting eternal life through Jesus our Lord and Messiah." right there that just gives us a lot right there you know before we even go any further um but we will um if you think of of romans chapter six think of it in two sections you have the first section which is dead to sin by a lot but alive in christ and then the first 14 verses so then you have the second set of verses which ends at verse 23 slaves of righteousness So you can think of it in two actual sections. So with that said, we are going to jump right in again. um, You can follow along or just listen. This is the uh, voice translation. Now, before we get started, there are some things that um, I would suggest that when you're reading the Bible, it's good to pause and reflect or take a selah. Um, It helps us to get the information, go over it in small chunks, and then reflect or question what we just read. You know, that gives you an opportunity to allow God to participate with you and to just show you things. So there might be verses or phrases that stand out to you when you do this privately, um, but I'm gonna go over the ones that stood out to me. So let's begin with verses one through four. How should we respond to all of this? Is it good to persist in a life of sin so that grace may multiply even more? Absolutely not. How can we die to a life where sin ruled over us and then invite sin back into our lives? Did someone forget to tell you that when we were initiated into Jesus, the anointed through baptism, ceremonial washing, we entered into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through this baptism into death, so that just as God the Father in all his glory resurrected the anointed one, we too might walk confidently out of the grave into a new life. Man, that's power pack. So what uh, I'm going to just comment again on the phrases that stood out to me. So verse two, absolutely not. 
you know, Paul is basically saying, here's what we need to think about as Christians today and our generation. He's saying, how can we die to sin and yet continue to invite sin in our lives? And that's where we reflect and we pause and we see law and we think about, have, have I done that? You know, are you doing that? Are we willfully and intentionally inviting sin back into our lives? And then he says, hey, be reminded that you were initiated into Jesus Christ. So if you're saved, that water baptism signified to yourself and to the world that you have been baptized into the death of Christ. And according to Paul, being baptized in his death, also just like Christ, when he got up from the grave, when he was resurrected, we were also resurrected in the anointed one. That's a lot to think about. And that's just the first few verses. So here's some questions. Let's talk. Do you agree that we can die to a habitual life of sin? According to what you just heard. And then what thoughts come to mind when you hear the phrase initiated into Jesus, the anointed. And then according to verse four, why were we buried with Christ through his death? Okay, let me read that for us again. Verse four, therefore, we were buried with him through this baptism into death so that just as God, the father in all his glory resurrected the anointed one, we too might walk confidently out of the grave into a new life. So why were we buried with Christ through his death? According to Paul. Again, that's just a recall question to get us on the same page. So let's continue with verses five through eight to put it another way. If we've been united with him to share in a death like his, don't you understand that we will also share in his resurrection? We know this, whatever we used to be with our old sinful ways has been nailed to his cross. So our entire record of sin has been canceled and we no longer have to bow down to sin's power. A dead man, you see, cannot be bound by sin. But if we have died with the anointed one, we believe that we shall also live together with him. So what stands out for you? For me, what stood out was the phrase share in his resurrection. So just like our water baptism or when we came to Christ, we weren't only baptized into his, his death. We were baptized and re- received the power or we shared in his resurrection. And that's found in verse five. Now in verse six, what was interesting is Paul used the phrase bow down to sin's power. So again, reflecting on ourselves. Do we bow down to sin's power? And then verse eight, we have died with the anointed one. Now notice that is past tense. So let's talk again. How do you think we share in Christ's resurrection in the resurrection of Christ? And do you think we sometimes choose to bow down to sin's power, right? If we have received or been baptized or received the resurrection power, 
then are we willfully bowing down to sin's power? And what do you think Paul means when he said, we have died with the anointed one? What do you think? What is he saying there? So let's continue with verses 9 through 12. So we stand firm in the conviction that death holds no power over God's anointed because he was resurrected from the dead, never to face death again. When he died, he died to whatever power sin had once and for all. And now he lives completely to God. So here's how to picture yourself now that you've been initiated into Jesus, the anointed. You are dead to sin's power and influence but you are alive to God's rule. Verse 12, don't invite that insufferable tyrant of sin back into your mortal body so you won't become obedient to its destructive desires. Wow, wow. So for me, the phrase that stood out was death holds no power over God's anointed. Death. So what is he saying there? He's saying that, yes, we all, it's, it's given for all, for all of us once, once, and only once to die. If we have accepted Jesus Christ into our, into our lives and that we are in the words of Paul, never to face death again. And then what was impactful to me is that Paul says or tells us how to picture ourselves and he gives it to us clearly. He says we are dead to sin's power and influence, but we are alive to God's rule. And so the question is, as Christians, as Christ followers, is that evident in our lives? And then if it's not, what adjustments is the Holy Spirit asking us to make? so that we can make sure we are leaning in, leaning towards God's rule, that it is our desire to please him, even though we're imperfect people. So let's talk again. Here's a message coming your way. A recall question. According to verse nine, why does death no longer have power over us? Let me read it for you again. So we stand firm in the conviction that death holds no power over God's anointed because he was resurrected from the dead, never to face death again. So that tells you the answer right there. So, and then how does Paul want us to picture ourselves? Recall question. Let's see if you remember what he said. And then after reading verse 12, do you believe sin is a choice? Verse 12 says again, don't invite that insufferable tyrant of sin back into your mortal body so that you won't become obedient to its destructive desires based on Paul's statement. Do you believe sin is a choice? So let's continue with verse 13. Don't offer your bodily members to sin service as tools of wickedness. Instead, offer your body to God as those who are alive from the dead and devote the parts of your body to God as tools for justice and goodness in this world. Oh my goodness. That sounds like a long run on sentence, but we'll go back. For sin is no longer a tyrant over you. Indeed, you are under grace and not the law. So what do we know? What do we do now? throw ourselves into lives of sin because we are cloaked in grace and don't have to answer to the law? Paul says, absolutely not. 
So I highlighted the entire verse 13. That stood out to me. Don't offer your bodily members to sin's service. So it's like there's a choice that Paul has placed there. Offer your body to sin's service or offer your body to God. Right. And then he says to devote parts of our body. So when you think of that phrase, parts of our body, what do you think of? I think of, you know, your mouth your eyes, your hands, you know, even your thoughts, you know, are we dividing those, devoting those things to God, to justice, to goodness in the world? And then Paul's going on to say that, hey, you know, sin, it isn't a tyrant over us. And, and why? Because we are under grace and not the law. And so a lot of times that phrase has been misquoted. You know, when you say, well, I'm not under, I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. Some people almost say that as they imply that God no longer has any standards. Well, that's not true. Paul is, when you think about it in this, in this context, he is saying that you are not under the law of sin and death. You are not under the law of sin's power in your life and that you only you or or me can allow this by our will we have to ask our will to cooperate with sin and then he says that yeah of course grace will abound where sin abounds but just because we know that do we throw ourselves into sin just because we're under grace hmm And he answers it for us. He says, absolutely not. And so think about that. In verse 13, what two ways did Paul say that we can offer our bodies? Let's see, a recall question. Verse 13 reads, don't offer your bodily members as sin service as tools of wickedness. Instead, offer your body to God as those who are alive from the dead and devote the parts of your body to God as tools for justice and goodness in this world. So the question is, what did Paul say that we can offer uh, our bodies? What two positions can our bodies be in? And what's the warning in verse 15? What's the warning? What's the warning that Paul is giving us in verse 15? And so think about this. This is a statement from the voice translation. Now, sin and death no longer define us. But grace does. God's favor has been given freely to us through his son, Jesus, who liberates us from sin's power. Man, that's good. So let's continue with verse 16. It doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense that if you sign yourself over as a slave, Let me say that again. Doesn't it make sense that if you sign yourself? Now let's continue with verse 16. Doesn't it make sense that if you sign yourself over as a slave, you will have to obey your master? The question before you is, what will be your master? Will it be sin, which will lead to certain death or obedience, which will lead to a right and reconciled life? Verse 17. Thank God that your slavery to sin has ended and that in your new freedom, you pledged your heartfelt obedience to that teaching, which was passed on to you. 
Verse 18, the beauty of your new situation is this. Now that you are free from sin, you are free to serve a different master, God's redeeming justice, man. So I, 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 what jumped out to me, the Holy Spirit drew my eyes to that phrase, sign yourself over as a, as a slave. You know, do we do this? Do we sometimes through our actions, through our will, through our minds, sign ourselves over to a slave of sin? So we have choices, according to Paul. Will it be sin? Will it be sin that's our master or will it be our obedience to God that helps us to live a right and reconciled life? That's good. And then he goes on in 17 and he answers it for us. And he says, thank God that your slavery to sin has ended. So then we pause and reflect and say, am I living the type of Christian life where my slavery to sin has ended? And what am I doing? And what am I doing in my life where that is not a reality? So continuing on, I um, highlighted all of verse 18. The beauty of your new situation is this. Come on now. We are all free from sin. And let me add to that. We are free from the power of sin. We are free to serve God. Now, does that mean we will never sin? No. What that means is we are not under sin's power. That really, when we do, we need to think of it more, more in terms of, well, if I've been baptized into Christ and I received his resurrecting power, then I can't have two powers abiding in the same within. Either sin's power is going to rule or Christ and his resurrection power will rule. So let's reflect. Do you agree with this statement? When we habitually sin in a specific area, we become enslaved by that sin. Do you agree with that? And then verse 18, the beauty of your new situation is this. So here's the question in your own words, how would you describe your new situation? Is it a reality in your life? What Paul said that we are free to serve a different master. Is that a reality? Let's continue with verse 19. Forgive me for using casual language to compensate for your natural weakness of human understanding. Oh my goodness. I had to stop there. That's worth a chuckle and a giggle because Paul is throwing much shade there. I mean, he's saying I have to compensate for your weakness <laughs> and human understanding. He's talking to, you know, the Jewish audience and the believers there in Rome. Thank goodness he's not talking to us. So let's continue. I want to be perfectly clear in the same way you gave your bodily members away as slaves to corrupt and lawless living and found yourselves deeper in your unruly lives. Now devote your members as slaves slaves to right and reconciled lives so you will find yourselves deeper in holy living in the days when you lived as slaves to sin you had no obligation to do the right thing in that regard you were free 
And so for me, it stood out that phrase in verse, uh, actually 19, now devote your members as slaves to write and reconcile lives. And why? So that we will have a deeper, holier life. That's what Paul is saying. And so we're answering this question. What does it mean to be baptized into Christ? You know, for me, I can just say that when I received it, I had no knowledge of it, no teaching of it. So for me, you know, it went as far to say as to say, hey, this is just something I need to do. You know, once I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, they say I have to go go to go into this water. Okay, And so I got up and went on about my life. But if we would have just known actually like Paul is teaching here, what we really received when we confessed Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we participated in that ceremonial washing. What happened when we went down and what happened when we got up and that the issue is God says my people perish for a lack of knowledge when you don't know. You don't function outside of what you don't know. We only function inside of what we do know. But in the words of my parents, honey, when you know better, you do better. So we're just trying to do better, all of us, day by day, with his power and with his sin-conquering grace. So let's continue. I also, the Holy Spirit highlighted for me, slaves to sin. So there was a time before confessing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that, hey, you know, and so nutty about it is you don't even, or I'll speak for me, you don't even realize you're a slave to sin. You just know, hey, this is just, it is what it is. But literally thinking back, you, when you submit or when I submitted myself to sin in my life, sin became my master. So thank God. And so I like to, I want to read verse 20 for you again, and we're going to read it out of, let's see, I want to say we're going to read it out of the Amplified Bible, uh, verse 20, because the last part, it, it, I had to really think that through where he says, in that regard, you were free. So listen to verse 20 in the Amplified. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You, or in other words, you had no desire to conform to God's will. So, you know, all Paul is saying here is you were a slave. You, we were slaves to sin and we didn't even desire to serve God. We didn't have a desire to conform to his will. That's true slavery. So with that, if you ever get an opportunity, let's think about this word slave. And um, for your knowledge, this is a Greek, the Greek entry number for Strong's 1401. And so slave is doulos, and it's spelled phonetically D-O-O-L-O-S, if you ever want to know the phonetic spelling of it. And here are some phrases. Someone who belongs to another. Uh, someone without any ownership rights of their own believers who willingly who willingly live under an owner i'm paraphrasing there so think about this it also says a bondman um someone who gives himself up to another's will 
someone who's devoted, check this out, to another, to the disregard of one's own interests. My goodness. So if Paul is saying that we, before Christ, became slaves to sin, we belonged according to the definition of a slave. We belonged to sin. We had no ownership rights of our own. We willingly lived under that state. And those who are not saved, they're willingly making a choice right now, now to live under the power of sin. We willingly devoted ourselves to another, to the disregard of our own interests. My goodness. And you can find that on blueletterbible.org and you can use Bible Hub or a hard copy of the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. So here's the question. According to verse 19, what happens when we devote ourselves to a reconciled life in Christ? What happens? And this time I'm going to read it from the Amplified. Verse 19, again, just for recall, I'm speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations, your spiritual immaturity. There's that insult from Paul. For just as you presented your bodily members as slaves to impurity and to moral lawlessness, leading to further lawlessness. So now... Offer your members, your abilities, your talents as slaves to righteousness. Now, here's the question. What happens when we devote ourselves to a reconciled life in Christ? Let me keep reading. When we devote ourselves, our time, our abilities, our talents as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification, that is being set apart for God's purpose. Man, that's good. So let's wrap this chapter up. Verse 21, but what do you have to show from your former lives besides shame? The outcome of that life is death, guaranteed. But now that you've been emancipated from the death grip of sin and are God's slave, you have a different sort of life, a growing holiness. The outcome of that life is eternal life. The payoff for a life of sin is death, but God is offering us a free gift, eternal life through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, the liberating king. Goodness. You know what the biggest key is for those verses for me? And tell me if you agree. Well, you can't tell me. Think about it if you agree. The outcome of that life is death, guaranteed. That's the phrase. It is so good to know that that's what the gospel is about, that we have been granted eternal life. So that was powerful to read and meditate on that. You meditate on it. And then I love the phrase. He, he used the phrase a growing holiness because Paul is not saying in these, these chapters that we are going to be perfect. But if you remember in chapter five or in the previous chapters, justification sanctification and righteousness, they go and they participate with one another. We have a growing holiness. We are not, you know, I I would hear the phrase, you know, I'm not what I want to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. So we are 
continually growing. We're continually being sanctified. We are already credited with his righteousness, but sanctification is a process. So we don't live under condemnation. That's why the Holy Spirit's reminding me right now. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those, right, who belong, who are in Christ Jesus. And so when we sin, we fall short, when we miss the mark, we don't enter into con condemnation. We might enter into conviction by the Holy Spirit because we don't want to be under sin's power. We don't want to be under sin's enslavement. We don't want to be a bondman to sin. We don't want to forfeit our lives to the enslavement of sin's power. So we only not do we have the eternal life that's been gifted and granted to us. We can experience a victory in Christ right now on this side of glory. And one of my favorite phrases that I paid attention to through the power of the Holy Spirit is where he says eternal life through our Lord Jesus. And then he tells us who he is, the anointed one, the liberating king. Now, remember when Paul said at the beginning of this, he said, would we be freed from sin? only to invite sin back into our lives. And then when we think about that last title of Jesus, the liberating King, why will we come under bondage after we've been set free? Why would we elect to come under bondage when we've been set free? So here's a self-reflection. Do you believe you are growing in holiness? And I want to caution you, give yourself a break. Okay, give yourself a break. And according to Paul, recall, recall question. What is the free gift given by God? I think you already know that without even looking back. And so there's some uh, another great resource that you can use. And it's the Life Application New Testament Commentary. I'm going to read a few quotes from that resource. And it states, the point of the gospel was not to find an excuse for sin but to give freedom from sin, to make his answer clear. Paul introduces a new concept. Believers have died to sin. How? In the legal sense, we died in the sight of God's judgment. What does that mean? We will not stand before God on judgment day. There will be no second death if we're saved. In the conversion sense, believing in Christ is dying to sin. So we won't stand in his judgment. We are in the process of continually dying to sin's power. In the baptismal sense, that burial implies we have already died with Christ. In the moral sense, our sinful desires may be present, but they are morally, mortally wounded. And I like using the word morally wounded. In the resurrection sense, we exchange our sinful life for Christ, his resurrection life. So the key there, I love that where it says sinful desires may be present. You know, I like the example of, hey, when you think of something as simple as overeating, you know, that desire is there, possibly, to eat the entire pizza. So that desire might not, if you really like pizza, <laughs> 
might not fade away. It might get a little less and less as time goes on, but that desire can either get stronger or weaker. And it depends on whether we yield to sin or we yield to God's power. If I yield to sin, well, more than likely, I might develop a stronghold where it comes to the area of overeating. So we have to decide when we're faced with those sinful desires, who will we yield to? So let's continue. What does it mean that we are not under the law? So remember that um, Paul says a lot that we are not under the law, but we're under grace. Well, we have to understand that so we don't make an error there. We are not under the law's demands as were the people of the Old Testament. We are not under curse implied by the impossible standard of the law. See Galatians 3.10 through 14. We are not under its system of requirements, the ceremonial laws that had to be meticulously kept. We are not under the fear of failing the just standard of the law. So right there, that's not us. We are under the new covenant, under grace, the covenant of grace. So here's the point. But it is impossible to be neutral. So keep in mind, we are not under the law as in we are not under the penalties that God would assess in the Old Testament. But we we can't be neutral. So the question is, under this covenant of grace, every person has a master, either righteousness or sin. A Christian is still able to sin, but he or she is no longer a slave to sin. I think Tasha Cobb sings the song, I am no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. And I think Todd Delaney has one as well. Okay, but continuing on, a Christian is still able to sin, but he or she is no longer a slave to sin. This person belongs to God. Believers are set free from, listen to this, the control of their evil desires and their selfish habits, free to become enslaved to righteous living. We serve the righteous God who is in the process of transforming us, that sounds like sanctification, to become more like him so that, why, we can one day share in glorious resurrection to eternal life. That is is not a bad master to have, to have. And so, yes, we will share in that resurrection, that glory one day where we get our new bodies, but there's a resurrection power that abides on the inside of all of us now. And it's up to us first to realize it's there, to accept its dominion, And day by day, allow the Holy Spirit and his power in the process of sanctification to keep us from under the domination of sin's power. You know, one of my favorite verses is found in Genesis. You know, when when Cain, you know, he's trying to duck and dodge from what he did. And then God, he asked him a question. He says, you know, I hear innocent blood crying out to me from the field. And then he tells Cain something very important. And he says, sin is crouching at your door. You must master it. Doesn't that still apply to us today? Sin will always be crouching at our door. And that we are under the penalty of the Old Testament laws. 
but we are under sin conquering grace. That power through Christ, we cannot do it on our own. We cannot will ourselves, or I'll just speak for me. I cannot will myself to do better and to do right. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit and the continual relationship that we develop with him. So with that said, it's always good. That wrapped up 23 verses for us. That's worth a hallelujah right there. But we let's just look at some verses in the Old Testament because it's always good in your study that once you have read a chapter, just to get a good, accurate picture of what God's mind is on the matter. I have a friend who wrote a book with that, but nevertheless, listen to this, uh, I think three. Have we not had enough of the sin at pure from which we yet, even yet, we have not cleansed ourselves? And for which there came a plague upon the congregation of the Lord. That's found in John, Joshua twenty two seventeen. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. To sin. That's talking about a king. First Kings 22, verse 52. And then Psalm 32, 5. I acknowledge my sin to you. And I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. So the question is, just because we're under the new covenant brought by Jesus Christ, remember, God does not change. He might on occasion change his mind, but his character does not change. So the same God who did not like sin in the Old Testament is the same God who doesn't like sin today. So with that being said, after the reading this chapter, have you built up your most holy faith? What is your reaction to knowing that you have received sin conquering grace, that you've been baptized into Jesus Christ and you were sharing in his resurrection power. So with that in mind, we can meditate. Remember Joshua one through eight says the book, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then we will make our way prosperous and then we will have good success. That's still true today. Remember, that's in the Old Testament, but it's still true today that we meditate. So I invite you, I encourage you that after you've listened to this, this episode, that you go back and meditate and chew on it. We are not in a race. We do not have to read the Bible in a year. All we have to do is be responsible for the knowledge that we have received. Remember, like Joshua, we meditate day and night so that we can have good success in this life. And so we go on. And in this section, I just wanted to give everybody an opportunity to enter into prayer Pray for someone. Enter into intercessory prayer. You can even pause this podcast right now because James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let's first pray for ourselves, you know, every day, every day that we walk in that sin conquering grace and that when we fall short, God, that he is there to help us 
to, to what my uh, pastor would say, go another further. So who is the Holy Spirit bringing to your mind right now after you've prayed for yourself in regard to this topic? Who is the Holy Spirit bringing to your mind right now? And then if they're not saved, pray for their salvation. And then for anybody in, in your life, what word of God could you declare right now? What could you declare over your family, your friends, your community, in your in your neighborhood or on your job? What word of God? So today we're just going to pray um, together. And uh, he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there, there I'm in the midst. So just share along with me, share this prayer. Um, we're just going to enter in and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us. So Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you're loving. We thank you that you are kind. We thank you that you are mindful of us, God. We thank you for your logos, God. We thank you for your written word. For you said in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so when we enter into this time of Bible study, we are not just reading text. We are actually communing with you. We were receiving those divine downloads from God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy ghost. We thank you, father, that you sent your son, that he was, he was buried and he got up God with full resurrection power. And that same baptism we were baptized in. And so we thank you, God, that not on our own will, not on through the intentions of our mind, but because of your power and your power alone, God, we, the power of sin has been broken. Help us to live that out in our lives. Help us to understand the reality of what that actually means. God, I pray for the person under the sound of my voice, who's listening to this episode, that they walk no longer in the spirit of condemnation. You said in your word that a just man, when we fall, we get right back up again. So I thank you. I pray for myself. I pray for all those who you've led to this episode. We thank you for loving us, God, with an everlasting love. And so we do like Proverbs 4, 7. And God, we say this in Christ's name. Amen. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get an understanding. And so I thank you for listening to the episode today. I pray you have been blessed. Go and be great. Remember good things in God. God in all good things. In Jesus' name, amen.